Trudy Morgan Cole, and welcome back once again to another episode of Shelf Esteem, the book club podcast, where you get all the fun of the book club, except you have to bring your own snacks. This week, I'm talking to novelist Elizabeth DeMariaffi and poet and St. John City Councilor Maggie Burton. We had a great wide-ranging discussion about all kinds of books, and as usual, I started it off asking who'd like to talk about what was the last book they read that left a big impression on them, and Elizabeth got us started. I've actually been um, reading a lot lately, which is great. Um, I think something about coming out of the process of finishing up a novel kind of frees me up. Yes. Um, Emotionally or mentally or something. Um, So the last two things I've read were, I just read Sarah Weinman's uh, really fantastic nonfiction book called The Real Lolita. Okay. Which is uh, where she... I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah. So so Sarah Weinman, if you're unfamiliar with her, you know, sort of like the crime lady. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so she... Uh, Canadian by birth, uh, lives in the States now, but um, just is a huge resource on anything sort of true crime related, but also um, specific to uh, women writing thrillers, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far back as into the, the 1930s. And, and she's written some and edited some great books about that. But this book is about the real life case of the abduction of Sally Horner in 1948. And she, um, in the book, very strongly shows the connection to Vladimir Nabokov's character Lolita, uh, which Nabokov never admitted in real life, although oh. there is a parenthetical reference to the Sally Horner case in Lolita. Okay. So I haven't read Lolita since I read it when I was, I think, 20. Um, mm-hmm. And I was uh, completely thrown by it because I had grown up in a culture that had showed me a lot of images associated with the name Lolita mm-hmm. that made me think this was really about like a teenage seductress. Yes, and, and the yeah. book is often even... I, I read an interesting article about covers of the book Lolita over yeah. you know, the different editions, and they so many of them portray her as a teenage seductress. Which absolutely, is... absolutely. And the, and the reaction from... I mean, it was originally published in France, and then it was used till it was published in, uh, in America, and the reaction from America was uh, very much along those lines that everyone was really willing to jump in um, and the, the the real I mean I don't know you know from Nabokov's point of view but Humbert Humbert is sort of in my eyes kind of the original unreliable narrator oh, yeah. and, uh, and when I read the book when I was 20 I was just uh, so upset because it is so clearly a portrayal of um, a child abduction and a, and, yeah. and, a, and a terrible case of abuse um, so it was really, it was like sickening. There's a, there's a, I have, you know, there's a couple of moments from that book that I remember now more than 20 years later. So, uh, so yeah, so reading Sarah Wyman's book was, um, fantastic. Oh yeah. And, and she's so smart and it's really worth the read and it's narrative as a result. She really does a great job of sort of alternating back and forth between, um, between the, the Sally Horner case and tracing that and what Vladimir Nabokov was doing <laughs> in the same moment. Wow. So really as a writer, like, you know, how could you go wrong? Yeah. Um, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. And then the other, uh, the latest novel I finished was uh, Miriam Taves' Women Talking. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. So many people have told me they've been reading that. Yeah, and so I'm still, I actually just finished it yesterday, so I'm still thinking it over. Um, I thought it was great. I think I, th- I think I think it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, um, that's a challenge because it really is a book where the real-time action of the book is eight women sitting in a hayloft. Time to decide what to do, but there is this, uh, there is this, uh, this uh, feeling of a ticking clock, and um, I was, you know, and for me, like I'm reading it, and it's a really specific um, story that's based on um, I, again a real life happening in a Mennonite colony um, in uh, South America, where okay. uh, over a period of years, the women in the colony were. Um, drugged and raped at oh, night wow. and, and all the women of, oh of all ages um so the the eight women who have gathered are again of all ages from teenagers to grandmothers and um and so in some parts of the story is quite harrowing because they're really trying to figure out the the ticking clock is that the men who um who they think are the perpetrators uh, did end up getting charged in the city. This is really bizarre because they don't have a lot of connection to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other men have gone to town to try and bail them out. So it's this notion that the men, all the men are now going to come back. And so what are we going to do? Are right. we going to stay and fight for 
um, for our community and to, and to be have an equal place in this community, or are we just going to leave? Yeah. Um, or will we do nothing at all, right? Oh, wow. um, and I, I can tell you, it was really interesting, because I was reading, the entire time I was reading, I thought, at one point I thought, there's not even been 10 seconds where I think, you should stay. Yeah, <laughs> I, no. I, just, I just want them to I get out. I read the book. I, I, I just want them to get out. I'm like, get out, get out, get out. That's the only choice, obviously. Uh, so I don't know what that says about me in this, oh, in this no, moment of time as well. But those are, those are my books. There are so many books where, where you just want to yell at the women, get out, get out, get out. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a recurring theme in a lot of a lot of fiction, uh, and uh, sadly in a lot of nonfiction too. What about you, Maggie? What have you been reading lately? Um, well, so I just finished rereading Tipping the Velvet. Oh, uh, so actually, that's that's the almost the only Sarah Waters book I haven't read, yeah. even though I know that's like the first one. That it's still read. in my purse because I've been going back and rereading certain really juicy sections. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like a, a, a perfect historical romance, oh, yeah. you know, coming to age story yeah. about uh, an oyster shucking girl who you know goes into the music hall life as first as a dresser of the. This, this woman that she's in love with mm-hmm. and then she becomes a performer herself uh-huh. and the, just the the story and her transition from this oyster this sort of um, rural oyster girl to music hall star named Nan King mm-hmm. uh, it's just totally fascinating to me mm-hmm. so I've been um, pretty deep into trying to find um, all of the sort of coming of age queer stories that I can get my hands on and trying uh-huh. to recontextualize my own life and try to understand my own sexuality and queerness a little bit better. Uh-huh. And I've been really doing it through reading because oh, yeah. it's um, it's a really good space to explore those kind of feelings and thoughts. So, Dipping the Velvet, and I just finished also Ruby Fruit Jungle by Rita Mae Brown. Oh, so yeah. This is written in um, 1973, mm-hmm. and it's about, um, yeah, sort of like autobiographical black queer coming of age lesbianism mm-hmm. in the 70s and stories of, about her um, sort of escapades and just like a real sort of bam 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 this is what I did this is how I felt this is why I did it this is why I didn't back down when the university kicked me out and things like that it's a really uh, interesting book so I bought that when last time I was in uh, San Antonio in Texas um, and read it there so it's about like American South uh-huh. Anyway, so I, I just, I really, really love that book, and I can't believe I had never read it before. So I've heard of it, but never mm-hmm. read it. But it's an, Yeah, it's another one of those titles that I've heard mentioned so yeah. often. Yeah, and again, like, just these sort of um, shameless stories of, um, of, you know, women having sex with other women. Yeah, and, women loving women. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, uh, and loving women as well. Yeah. But, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but the stories of, of uh, yeah, just really true queer stories of coming of age yeah it's it's hard to explain i guess without reading sarah waters but her writing is just you just get lost have you read the right i've read every single sarah waters book yeah i have read a lot of them strangely not tipping the bubble which is that her first one um this is it's the first one i ever heard anyone recommend so the reason i I just re re reread it i don't think it's her first one i'm not sure what the, the the order is but um, she it was written in 1998, mm-hmm. so this is the 20th anniversary oh, of Tipping okay. the Velvet. Yeah. So I the first Sarah Waters book I read was Little Strangers. I read that yes. maybe two years ago, and ever yeah. since mm-hmm. um, I think I I bought this book. I think from Amy Anthony at a Georgetown sale, <laughs> 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 or somebody else from downtown. I believe it was her, but um, I bought this and a whole bunch of other of her books at this um, Georgetown neighborhood flea market, yeah. sort of rummaging through the bins. But uh, yeah, Little Strangers was the first one I read by her because it's a you know a ghost story. Yes, and yeah. I'm pretty obsessed with ghosts, so I do a lot of. Uh... Anyway, I, I like to read these this sort of more yeah fun escapist sort yeah. of historical I love how she always writes historical fiction and it just brings and she you does into it another so world. well she just takes mm-hmm. you into the air the one yeah. I love of hers is the paying guests yeah which has like it has everything she does so well the you know the historical era yeah. and the lesbian love story but also it's it's I love it because it's a crime novel where you're rooting for them to get away with it 
Oh yeah. To, to you know, Most the best. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're completely on the side of of the people who've committed the crime, and just on the edge of your seat, hoping that they won't be found out, it won't be discovered, which is you know such a neat trick for the writer to play. Is, totally. Is to, yeah, to and the uh, yeah, reading like she does, she creates these soundscapes, right? Mm. Too like yes. she describes the way she describes um, sounds and tastes and smells and just like the way things feel on your fingers. Yes. She's the best descriptive writer. She's so good at yeah those yeah. sensory descriptions. I would yeah. say like she is she is my favorite sort of person who describes things <laughs> as a writer. Yeah, yeah. she so really yeah with historical she she does yeah she just does that she can take you into a different place and time so uh, so vividly. Yeah, and I've I've just finished writing my own like sort of finishing a draft of my own manuscript and I'm in the same place as Elizabeth. You know, you finish writing a book uh-huh. and you suddenly have no time for your own thoughts anymore and you just want to submerge yourself into the stories of other people. Yeah, so I think it's delightful. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I want to be uh, covered in, in other stories other than my own. <laughs> so what have you been writing? Have you been writing a novel? or a No, I was poetry. I know you're a poet. Yeah. I didn't know if, if you were branching out into other genres. No. Or, <laughs> so you, do you have a book coming out? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. No, nobody has taken it up yet, but oh. I haven't sent it. It hasn't done the rounds, so it's it's had some edits and uh-huh. I'm still, still working on on, um, on that, but I'm oh, that's great. finished the draft. I'm not going to be adding very much more to it, so I think of it as a done project at this point. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Just need to yeah. uh, do some co- cosmetic work on it. Uh-huh. And Elizabeth, you mentioned coming out of, of, of writing a novel, because you have, you have Hysteria out quite yeah. recently. So are you doing, have you do have something else since then, or are you, is it, are you in the space between books now? <laughs> I'm a little bit in the space between books. The last time at this stage, I was already well into the draft of the next book that turned out to be Hysteria, right. and I that did feel more comfortable <laughs> than where I'm at right now, I think. Um, but my spring just got taken up with like a lot of little projects, yeah. which was also really fun, and I, I got to challenge myself. I you know, wrote some essays, did some stuff that I haven't um, done in mm-hmm. the past. Uh, but as a result, no, I'm only about, I'm about 10,000 words in to a new novel. Oh. Um, and I'm writing some short stories, and I haven't written short stories for years. Oh, that's so, nice. so I'm really, yeah, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's actually really fun. And I, I think that I got so focused on, like, trying to figure out what a novel is uh-huh. for the last few years that I had sort of walked away from short stories. And then when I wanted to come back, I thought, oh, my God, this is it's going to be so much work. Like, short mm-hmm. stories are so much more work. Not really, but it sort of feels <laughs> that way. To me like it, fe- are, it feels, yeah. it feels yeah. that way. And I mean, Hysteria was um, as like substantial as any of Nabokov's novels. Like Hysteria really took me a long time to to get through it because it was so gut wrenching the whole time. Yeah. And it was like reading something by Nabokov. So like I, I thought that a few times actually. I don't know if you appreciate that. I really appreciate but that. But it was it was so um yeah it was so heavy but like every single line was so lyrical in in, in that kind of way that Nabokov is is, is pretty good at. Now but I have I, it's, I am still on the waiting list for hysteria at the library, <laughs> and it's I'm, I'm moving inching gradually up the There's list. There's a wait which list is, for there hysteria. Is a, there the is library? a wait list for for hysteria wow. at the library. Yes, yeah, so you should you be can download the Libby app on your. Uh, I, I, it's a wait list for the the ebook for, in the Libby app. What? Yeah, they're still you still wait list because they can still only license so many. They're only still only licensed oh, to loan so many e copies at a time. Okay. So you still <laughs> even for ebooks you have to wait list if the wow. book is popular enough, which it obviously is. But this I've been, conversation is just getting better and better. I love this <laughs> it's amazing. You're being I'm learning too much. You've got a wait list at the library. I'm done. <laughs> what I was gonna say is I feel like when I get to it, it's gonna be another one of those books where I want to scream, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really it was different to write because it was historical. I mean, and the first uh my first novel Devil You Know was historical oddly too, and I used to try and describe it that way to people because it's set in the 90s, so it's recent history, but <laughs> yeah. it was still really grounded in a place and a time. Yeah. Um whereas this one was like really grounded in a place and a time that I don't have any connection to, and in fact mm-hmm. I wasn't alive in. So um so that was it was fun though. It was really fun. Yeah. And and all the the visual stuff was really interesting to get into. Yeah. Yeah, so historical good. is definitely it's 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 its own challenge, and I think the more it's removed from your own time and your own experience, obviously the more of a challenge it is to try to to try mm-hmm. to do it uh, uh, in a believable way or a way that uh, that will that will feel real to people reading it. It yeah. was too real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Way> too real. <laughs> yeah. 
What about, um, I often like to ask people about books that have been sort of, I guess, your foundational texts. Like when you, I mean, you mentioned reading Lolita at the age of 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the books that you read, whether you were a child or when you were a younger person, or just the ones that were kind of milestones for you along the way. Are there any that stand out to you as? Um, Well, when I was uh, three, I joined Storytime at the library, Uh and uh, I quickly read everything that I could get my hands on there. So I I was a real um, bookworm when I was a kid. I think the first book that I read myself that I really loved and identified with was A Little Princess. Oh, yeah. And uh, and The Secret Garden. Uh I really liked um, sort of 19th, early 20th century women writers, uh, did a lot of, of reading mm-hmm. by that. And um, then I was super into The Lovely Bones when I was 14, when oh, that yes. came out. It was a big deal, or 13 mm-hmm. maybe. So I That'd was be a hard book to read when you were 13. Yeah, I was yeah. in grade 8 when it came out, and I made every girl in my class read it, basically. <laughs> I mean, I didn't make them read it. But you but pressured I, them. You peer pressured I, them I, I, I tossed it onto everybody that I could find, and we all were super... Um, woke, yeah. <laughs> you know, to sort of the reality of sexual violence against young girls. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the book opens with, you know, my name is Susie Salmon Like the Fish. I was 14 when I was murdered. Yes. You know, yeah. And then I, when we when the book came out, we were we were her age. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, uh, that totally blew my mind. So Alice Siebold was a big influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think... Those those were probably my top three. <laughs> I can't imagine reading The Lovely Bones at the age that mm-hmm. Susie Salmon... Like, I read it as an adult, obviously, because I was an adult when it came out. And, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been, I would imagine, so much more disturbing to read it when you're that age. Yeah, and it was, you know, there's a lot of magical realism in that book yes, as well, right? Of course, so yeah. that was a big... There's um, the whole afterlife. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, she comes back uh, yeah. through Ruth... Yes, at the end of the yeah. book in order to, to make love to this person that she had a crush on when she was, you know, yeah. and then had to watch them all grow up without her and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. But um, that was that was totally mind-blowing. And so Magical Realism, I didn't really um, appreciate how that pervaded all of the books that I really loved when I was a kid, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, Matilda, um, The Secret Garden, The Little Princess. There's a mm-hmm. lot of magical realism in those texts. Oh, for sure, yeah. And so, like, by the time I was, you know, 15, 16, I, I was reading through all of Toni Morrison's books and mm-hmm. was really into, um, yeah, the magical realism was 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 amazing, and it was a really good escape from, from my own life. But yeah. Yeah, so... Which I think, you know, reading is for a lot of people is is the escape. Yeah, Yeah, and I think that people often trivialize young adult fiction. You know, even something like The Lovely Bones has become a kind of trait to a lot of people, right? Yeah. That people, but people responded to it and really loved it and read it a lot. And people, um, you know, young adult fiction is a a really important thing for teenage girls. Um, Oh, absolutely. You need to, you know, need to we need to support and promote that and Mm -hmm. and not belittle people who who like it absolutely yeah 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 what about you elizabeth what are when i think of childhood books and i'm i'm really struggling to remember the author's name now (laughs) i might look it up on my phone yeah we can do that that and then i can just cut out the part where we looked it up perfect (laughs) um but um so a book that i came upon when i was nine years old um called baby island and um which Hmm. i had never seen or heard from again i read that book like 25 or 30 times over the summer that I was nine years old. And it's basically a story that takes place, like I think I'm going to say the 1920s or 1930s. Mm-hmm. It's two girls who have, um, they have a widowed father. He's gone to America to make his way. They're from Australia. They get put on this boat. Their father is established in America. They get put on a, a boat by their aunt and they're sent to America. And along the way, the boat capsizes. And what they've been doing on the boat, they're, they're sort of young teenagers, I would say maybe like 12 and 14. Mm-hmm. sisters and uh, what they've been doing on the boat to entertain themselves is borrowing all these babies that are on the <laughs> boat and playing with them and s- through some like weird uh, fate thing they end up in a lifeboat with all these all these parents keep walking by going I can't find my wife hold the baby right? <laughs> and and all of a sudden the lifeboat drops and they're on this boat with how many babies and off yeah. they go to a desert island where they meet a sort of an our man Friday type of you know gruff, oh my goodness what gruff, an amazing plot contrivance <laughs> that's awesome rough Englishman who's actually on an island to avoid getting married and um, <laughs> and and they learn to survive on the island and everything so 
Never heard of it again. Uh-huh. I still had my copy when my daughter was nine, and mm-hmm. I gave it to her and watched her become completely obsessed with it oh, in the really? same way that I had, which was really weird. And then last year, I saw on Twitter, Ontario said something about the book. I was like, oh, my God, it's Baby Island. Someone else has heard of this book. Exactly. And all these women were like, this book was so important to me. So, um, yeah, so I will I will look it up before I go who the author was. Um, and I don't even know if it would still be in print, but um, so that, that that's what I think of when I think of a childhood. And then in high school, you know, I, I had, um, I remember very uh, clearly pulling um, a copy of Wife by Bharati Mukherjee literally off the rack in the school library. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I chose that book. It's about a... Um, a woman who comes from India to be in an arranged marriage mm-hmm. and um, and she, the isolation of that. Um, and then, I mean, later on, I'm just thinking about, think, what have I reread a lot? I've reread yeah. a lot of Alice Munro. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and so I would say, I, would, I come back to her, the specific collection is The Progress of Love. I come back to The Progress of Love again and again. Okay. Uh, and that title story and, a, and an excellent story called Mile City, Montana uh, that deals with a near, a near drowning. Um, and a real drowning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, I just think you'd be hard-pressed to learn from somebody more um, more astute economically, let's say, yeah. than, than Monroe. She just can yeah. do a whole novel in 30 pages. Oh, yeah. She's, she's a real master of the craft. Yeah. I had uh, the last podcast I did... Uh, was with uh, Bernice Morgan and Helen Porter, mm-hmm. uh, who are, of course, both such, you know, local literary giants and matriarchs yeah. of the literary scene. And both of them, for them, um, Alice Monroe was sort yeah. of like the writer that they would, uh, I guess, not just to read, but, yeah, to learn the craft of writing from. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, and she has an amazing economy of, of words. Yeah, it's funny when you come across somebody like that. You know, even recently, I've become completely obsessed with Marilyn Robinson. Oh, um, my goodness. I who, love Marilyn Robinson. You know, that's, Housekeeping is my favorite book. You know, I read it probably a year ago for the first time now, and I, I just, I reread it again a couple months ago just because I, I find it so beautiful. Uh-huh. And, I, you know, I just, like, will pick up a couple of my sort of flagged pages every now and then when I need to read something gorgeous after scrolling oh, yeah. through Twitter. She's a beautiful and, writer. I feel, <laughs> the funny thing with me with Mar- Marilyn Robinson is I don't really love housekeeping, which yeah. is, I know, yeah. so many people love it so yeah. much. For some reason, it didn't connect with it, but I love Gilead, yeah. Home, and Lila, which I guess is sort of a trilogy, but particularly Home, which I think is the most underrated of those. I love that book so much. Yeah, and then when yeah. you find somebody like that who can do so much through such an economical... Oh, yeah, so know, few mm-hmm. words. Getting is a tiny book. And yeah. It's really, it like has a, a huge um, impact, and Alice Monroe writes like that, too. Yes. It's yeah, like when absolutely. you, when, you know, Alice Monroe has this great quote about, you know, um, I spent a lot of time looking at the window or whatever. Mm-hmm. With the, yeah, I can't remember the way the quote goes, but her, her ability to um, to write with a bunch of small kids at home mm-hmm. and to not care what the neighbor said about her, <laughs> the state of her house and stuff like that is a big inspiration, I think, to all motherhood. <laughs> yes, yes. Just like, of course, yes. like, you know... You <laughs> So, yes, because uh, that is the uh, the perennial, yeah. you know, but struggle. When, when you're Alice Monroe and you're trying to get something wrote down and, and there's a bunch of youngsters running around your feet, like, of course you're going to be economical with your... You want to be <laughs> happy with yeah. <laughs> Not wasting so, a lot of words yeah. there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's the thing I like about poetry. I can write, like... <laughs> I can line by line. Line line. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I am... I mean, to me, like, every form that's more spare than a huge sprawling novel is amazing to me like how do you boil things down to a good short story I've written short stories but never any that I thought were good and then you know to a poem like how people who do poetry well amaze me Uh, that you can take you know so few words and do so much with Mm -hmm. them yeah yeah, and it's it's a form I don't read. I went through a thing a couple of years ago where I felt like I don't read enough poetry, so I'm going to try to read one book of poetry per month. So I will mm. have read twelve books of poetry before the year was over, and I think I actually managed to do that. Uh, but then I didn't keep it up after the year was over. I just went back to yeah. just reading novels. But who do you read for poetry? When Elizabeth you read poetry? Bishop. Yeah, just like constantly, I can just read Elizabeth Bishop all day, every day. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and I really I. I go through her stuff and, um, you know, I don't need to read much of it and I mm-hmm. think about it all day long, like little bits of it will be going through my head and um, I also have a, 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 the um, the big yellow Dhammakai book on my coffee mm-hmm. table that I read quite a bit, so 
uh, you know, more lyrical poetry is definitely, mm-hmm. or narrative narrative poetry is, mm-hmm. is what I gravitate towards for sure. But mm-hmm. I'm always ordering um, stuff. You know, I'll see somebody posted their new book, a first book of somebody that I've seen in Room magazine or something like that, and I'll order it. So I do have a lot of small collections from emerging, you know, female poets from across Canada. That's kind uh-huh. of my jam too. So, um, yeah. Wow. I read a lot of poetry. Probably yeah. like well, yeah, and through through both the library and by just ordering small collections, and that's kind of what I spend my entertainment budget on. <laughs> what a great way to spend your entertainment budget! Yeah. <laughs> you know, my my daughter is doing English at university now, and she was saying she had done a a poetry analysis because her English prof is starting off with poetry, and I was like, oh, what's the poem? And she gave the title I didn't recognize it. and she said it's by a man it's somebody Wilbur or something I was like is it Richard Wilbur and she said yes and I said that's one of only two poets that I know the name of like, <laughs> other, than, other than like dead poets or yeah. local poets yeah. the only two poets I can pull the names of at the drop of a hat are Richard Wilbur and Mary Oliver and that's my poetry knowledge so it's an area where I definitely need to need to expand and uh, and yeah. deepen my knowledge yeah. Which kind of leads into another one of my questions, which is, are there books that you... Well, you were talking about The Lovely Bones when you were a teenager getting everyone else to read it. Are there books now or books books throughout your life that you try, that you press on other people, that you try to get other people to read or that you wish you could get other people to read? Oh, that's a really good question. And I feel like there are, but now I'm trying to figure <laughs> Try to out think what, what they, they are. are. I've, I've been giving hysteria to everybody. Um, honestly, because like, like <laughs> I'm gonna flatter you some more, but that's like great. I've I've that's the last book that I've handed around through mm-hmm. my um and I had an advanced copy through HarperCollins Canada, so uh, nice. my copy is very dog-eared now. Oh, and yeah. um, thank you. I'm trying to you know get the same thing with boat people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I've been, sure. I I I don't know anyone close to me that hasn't read that book. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny that we were talking about Sarah Waters before because I feel like um, The Little Stranger is one of those books that I just recommend and recommend to people. And, it, and it was really um, important to the writing of Hysteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of what I loved about The Little Stranger is that um, it's it's written in you know this sort of fantastic kind of mid-century yeah. contemporary realist mm-hmm. style. And there was a huge amount of time that I was reading the book going, but... Is this really just going to be a ghost? Like, yes, is it really? Yes, are you yeah, really? Yeah, I had that same reaction like, when are, I was reading. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we're so, um, like, I think we're so jaded that uh-huh. everybody has to be you know, doing a trick, right? And I was like, oh my god, you just really let yourself write a ghost story, yes. and it's a great yes. ghost story, and it has all these branching, um, like, it's 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 also a metaphor. It's yeah. not just a great ghost story. It's also a metaphor, but it's not a trick. Yes, um, I had that same reaction. Yeah. I would say it was three quarters, maybe more way yeah. the way through a floor. I was like, there's going to be some rational realism yes, explanation yeah. for it, all this like yeah. oh no this actually is a ghost story I, yeah. really I loved that, that bit I didn't know that that you, you know that you really like the little stranger yeah. it makes a lot of sense yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah no for sure yeah um yeah, I think about that. And just in, it's funny that we're talking about poetry and I feel like last year I spent a lot of time talking about um about some volumes of poetry. Um I was really I loved Tina Karras as um my Ariel. So if you like Sylvia Plath, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I really did. Um, and um, so Sina basically went through Ariel, which is one of Plath's most famous books, and kind of, I, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. Didn't write her own version, but she, she recontextualized. She it. recontextualized it. And that book of poetry is like a page turner. Like you just, wow. you can't wait to see what's coming next. Now, I mean, I am coming to it having read Ariel, so I sort of know the Sylvia Plath backstory yeah. and everything. But I just thought it was fantastic. And um, and Sue Goyette's Penelope, which is an mm. imagining from Penelope's point of view, waiting around for everyone to come back. Oh, yes. I've um, that one, yeah. Also great. Really yeah. narrative, uh-huh. right? Like if you're a novel reader, you can definitely read this book and you get all the, the language. Uh, but it's also... Um, it, it's just it's uh, narratively driven like there's propulsion A Brief History of a Girl was like that too mm-hmm. by Sue Goyette that's, okay. if you haven't read any of her work I haven't read any you know, Sue so Brief History of a Girl I also you know ask a lot of people to read it because it's like a it's based on a true story about a very young child who is you know uh, heavily drugged and um, and eventually passes away and her parents are going through this court trial um, oh, and wow. it's again it's, it's a lot of sort of magical Realism in it as well, but a, a way to to sort of try to frame 
a really complex uh, court case. Mm-hmm. And of course, Tell by Soraya Probaya is the same yeah. um, sort of concept, going through court records and, and um, making them poetic, right, about the um, the murder of a, of a young girl in, I believe it was Ontario. I think it's in BC. It was Rena Verk, was it? Sorry, one? yes. Yeah. It, was, it was, yeah. It was, I'm uh, getting my geography. No, no, no. I, I actually, I was in school with Sarah, so I, I know okay. that. I know her, that body of work really closely, I feel. Okay. Um, it's a really interesting thing that poets are doing right absolutely. now. Absolutely. And like making, you know, a lot of, because um, court cases are hard to read, right? So oh, if yeah. You're, if you're sort of translating it into this thing where that gives people a glimpse into the legal system and, and exposing a lot of, um, inequalities, especially in the way that we treat cases of sexual assault. Hmm. I had no idea that was even like a subgenre of, of it's, like, it's yeah. and it's not really, but it's just, it's, it's just, becoming a thing. Like I've read I've read a few books now yeah. where people are, are, you know, writing poetry based on on really complicated court cases. Or wow. you know, you have the new consent app that Emily Deming and um, uh, Chris Brooks made about the Snellgrove trial, right? Oh, so you're yeah. commenting on you're making art out of out of uh, out of law, out of legal mm-hmm. proceedings, out of court cases, and, and I'm, I'm and really I, interested to see where that goes. And I think I think finding the way to tell the story, right? Like beyond the legal exactly. legal case and all the sort of stuff that gets into the media um, about it. Like let's pare this down to let's not forget the story. Let's free, let's not forget the human story. Yeah. yeah. That, Instead of having this unbiased sort of mm-hmm, just just one mm-hmm. side, another side. Let's tell it because that's important too. You have to have the unbiased narrative. That sort yeah. of says, you know, this is what this person said and this person said, but who is this about is yeah. what the artists around this are trying to figure out. Yeah, that is so interesting. It's like, you know, the the political landscape is always changing, and so is the the legal and the way that they influence each other and um, and also influences art. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's, it's a big thing that we that we do is write about difficult political and uh, sort of socio-economical issues and Mm -hmm. everything else through through poetry like I I see that a lot in contemporary poets Mm. are there books that you are that aren't out yet that you're looking forward to is there anything that's on your I can't wait to read this or or even books that are out that you haven't gotten to yet is there anything upcoming that you're excited about Gosh, I'm trying to think. I feel like I've been on a little reading binge of books that came out this fall, mm-hmm. and I've mostly gotten through them. That's oh. very impressive. I can, I can <laughs> never keep well, up with what's just come out. Um, well, I mean, yeah, everything's a priority list, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm interested in Thea Ortea Lim's um, An Ocean of Minutes, okay. um, which just made the Geller shortlist, um, mm-hmm. and I think it's her first book. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> um, but um, Bobby, that one really sort of has me intrigued. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else is out there right now um, that's got me kind of judged. Well, I also have some books that have been like, sitting in my pile uh-huh. for a while. Um, and one of them is actually nonfiction. It's Kate Mann, who's a feminist philosopher in the state. She's a logician, and there's almost no women um, who work in the field of logic in philosophy. That's really been sort of like quite a boys' club. Yeah. Um, and she's written a really fascinating um, uh, definition, and what she's done is redefined for all of us what misogyny really means. So it's mm. called the book's called Down Girl, The Logic of Misogyny. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a great title. Yeah, she's she's super, super smart. I read some interviews with her back in the spring. I ordered the book in hardcover. It's been sitting like beside my living room chair, and it's one of those things where like it's going to be quite a read, and I so I've read some excerpts from it, but I haven't kind of done the cover to cover on it yet. Is it sort of scholarly, or is it intended for the more general reader? Um, I think it's intended for a more general okay, reader, but it still looks you know. Pretty dense. I think yeah. it's still going to be dense, but yeah, absolutely. So yeah, her last name is Man M A N N E. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But she's so smart, and I highly recommend if you know, if you just read a few interviews with her. Yeah. Um, she's coined a, a term. She's got a a new book that's on the go, which I think the book is going to be called Entitled. But the original working title of the book was Hempathy. Oh, <laughs> I have, this sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure you've yeah. heard of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I'm more so than a specific book. I, I've been wanting to get into reading everything that Eileen Miles has written. Mm-hmm. So she's an American poet, uh-huh. librettist, uh, okay. sort of writer of um, experimental forms and, and other things. So I have ordered a couple of her books. I'm waiting for them to come. So, uh-huh. But I haven't read anything by her yet. Um, other than other than that, not like I can't think of anything else. I, I don't have much time to just like sit down and, and read, you know, the lists of what books are coming out this year <laughs> that I should be looking forward to. So unless I catch something by happenstance as I'm scrolling through Twitter, I don't really, uh, yeah. I'm not up mm-hmm. on it anymore. And that's why it's so important to have a, a local scene where people are coming out with new stuff too because like I'll actually notice that, you know, yes, I'll go to yeah. someone's book launch or and read something locally. Um, so I, I've, I've really, the last couple of years have been really good for books coming out of, out of St. John's writers. Yeah. So oh, yeah. That's been really helpful for someone who, um, um, yeah, who doesn't have the time to, to keep up on the what's mm-hmm. what's new to look for in 2018 list. So what local writers? I mean, we've already talked about Hysteria. Yeah. Um, what other books by local writers have you read in the last little while that have left a big impression on you, I guess? Well, the boat people, of course. Oh, boat people, you know, of course, um, yeah, yeah. So I've mentioned Sharon Bala is uh, just a, an amazing human being. I'm sure mm-hmm. you both agree. But, yes, uh, she's fabulous. She, she's really... Um, that that book left a big hole in my heart. Mm. Um, so That's that, a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah it was... Uh, that was a, a really, really heartbreaking um, thing to go through, just even reading it and then thinking about in in the context of the current political climate in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and in Canada too. In Canada, yeah, it's not just the U.S. And uh, but it's especially in the yeah. in the U.S. of course. Um, I'm looking forward to um, to reading. I know Matthew Hollett has a new creative nonfiction book coming out. I love reading anything he puts up. Yeah, his his creative nonfiction is great, and his poetry is fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, Megan Coles has a novel coming, her first yes. novel is coming in the spring, and so yeah. that's called uh, Small Game Hunting at the Local Coward Gun Club. Yes. <laughs> it's coming from Nancy. So yeah. that one, that's and gonna I've, be wicked, I've right? had some sneak peeks, and Have I you? am here to tell you, you're going to want to pick that one up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She was on the podcast about, gosh, it must be almost a year ago now, and was talking about it then, but yeah. it was still, still a work in progress. Yeah, and I, think, I think they're finally clearing up now. Oh, wow. I just gave Eating Habits of the Chronically Lonesome to my friend Nicole, who's um, visiting from Saskatchewan, uh-huh. and uh, she really she really enjoyed it. And I think it's a book that I'm going to give every friend from away yeah. who wants to like sort of, you know, but what's St. John's really about? What's Newfoundland really about? I'm like, well, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're eating Habits of the Chronicle also. I'm going to read about the sort of seedy underbelly of, uh, of, of St. John's in Montreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. just not, not just St. John's. But that's but, so interesting because yeah. that wouldn't be the typical or the stereotypical choice that a lot of people oh, yeah, would give no. someone as the book to I have several copies of it at my house for this reason. Like, yeah. I'm just giving it out like candy. <laughs> 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 I, love it. I love it. But yeah, that's, that's an oldie but a goodie at this point. When did that come out? Ah, it was... Um, 2014, maybe? Mm. Something yeah, like that? I feel like she and I had a book out at about the same time, so mm-hmm. I think 2014 awesome. would be right. So yeah. yeah, that left a pretty a pretty, pretty mark on the, yeah. on the sort of story culture here, I think. Yes, yeah. I really respect her work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the reason I, I tie it to that is because I can remember doing readings with her and just being so intimidated because she's, I mean, she's such a performer. She's, she's an excellent performer. I was just going to say, if you yeah. get a chance to hear her read, right? Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, she reads like an actor because that's you know yeah. that's what she is and, uh, and yeah squawk is going to be her play squawk will be at the lsv hall this season too oh, right? yes, Coming up, yeah. i just saw the poster for it at the at the hall i, I think potentially I want to say winter yes. rather than fall. But this, yeah, this yeah. coming season, yeah. it'll, yeah. Be, it'll be, because the poster's up, so. Yeah. <laughs> the poster's up. And uh, our Eliza, you know, a lot of people that I know saw that this summer. I saw mm-hmm. last year, so. I did not get to see it. I fully intended to get out and see our Eliza this summer, and my just, my summer did not work out to get me yeah. out to Cupid's any night when it was I playing. Just, I really so love how to see it. in Newfoundland, um, we have a sort of culture as writers of, is going between, you know, there's, there is no real genre barrier right like yeah. people are always performing and writing or mm-hmm. you know being mm-hmm. like um uh, known as a poet but also is an actress or yes, something yeah. like that like there's a lot of flexibility between 
Um, between genres, for yeah, sure. And well, that's it, why I asked if you had written a novel, because it seemed totally believable yeah. to me that you might have been <laughs> like, and now I'm a novelist. Once I don't have little kids around their average yeah. feet, I might, might be able to write more than one line at a time. <laughs> yeah. I've been working on some uh, sort of a fantasy uh, short stories, so Oh, um, yeah? Cool. Which is a little, little something I've got tucked in my back pocket. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm trying to uh, reimagine the Smallwood era, and um, so I'm writing a lot of sort of uh, first-person uh, fantastical narratives about the politicians of oh. times past, and uh, trying to figure out what led to some of their decisions. From <laughs> yeah, I think I think so. fantasy is probably your best way. Into that. <laughs> <laughs> so political fantasy, I'm going. Yeah. To, I'm just putting that thing on it. Invent a new genre. I think that sounds like a great idea. idea. <laughs> has to, has to, for sure. I was wondering the other day on Twitter why there is nobody has written a speculative fiction. Uh, an alternate history about uh, Newfoundland not having joined Canada, like an well, alternate history. Stay tuned. Independent Newfoundland. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. They put it out in the universe, and it appears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I have my list of questions. That, oh yeah, characters that you identify with. Are there in the books that are important to you? Books or are there characters <coughs> that have been important to you in terms of? I see you nodding, Maggie. Well, I'm Matilda. Uh, oh, yeah. So it's the 30th birthday of the the book, right? Mm-hmm. So Matilda is roughly my age, um, you know, the character herself. Uh-huh. So I'm 27. Uh, Matilda is 30. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe that's how it goes. Is, the, is it the book's birthday or the character's birthday? I saw a bunch of a bunch of articles this week being like, Happy birthday, Matilda. It must be the anniversary of the publication. I would, the yeah, yeah, I imagine yeah, it's the yeah. anniversary. <laughs> I mean, I can see, like, the, the sort of fan universe <laughs> yeah. really celebrating her actual birthday. birthday knows, yeah. right? But uh, when I was in Disney World when I was uh, nine, uh-huh. um, a bunch of people kept stopping to ask me for my autograph because they thought that I was the character from... The movie version. Oh of, my goodness! Of oh, that's so funny. And uh, that was around the, again the same age that that she was then. So I've had a lot of growing up had a lot of literary characters that were my age when I read the book, and mm-hmm. that really gave me a lot. Like Matilda is such an empowering figure. Oh yeah. Right. So when you when you want desperately to escape your 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 living situation or something like that as a child, and you read about somebody who can think her way out of uh, or scheme her way out of her mm-hmm. existence it's pretty uh-huh. it's pretty interesting so she was if I didn't have that book I wouldn't have become a, a, such a voracious reader myself mm-hmm. right so and Nancy Drew also when I was growing up oh yeah I wanted to be Nancy oh, Drew yeah and I wanted to be George and I wanted to be you know I, I really I had the, I had the whole collection like yeah, you know the, the yeah. yellow hard yes the walls so, the, all the walls I had of yellow Nancy Drew my grandfather yeah. built me a bookshelf just for my Nancy Drew oh really books. oh yeah. that's great a treat so um and when the the library got new versions of the books the librarian uh gave me the old ones oh really so oh, I had great. the full the full set at my house and I read those starting when I was Five, uh-huh. and then I read through the entire Nancy Drew collection when I, before I was in grade one. I'm amazed, and like I didn't know anybody had ever read through the entire Nancy Drew because yeah. there, there seemed to be obsessed. an infinite number of Nancy Drew books. Yeah, and of course, then you know you have these posters up in your room of Harry Potter, but like yeah. again, this, I was the same age as. Hermione, when uh, oh when my goodness, that's right. You are Western. like the age of Hermione. Aren't like, you? I, I have come. I, I have grown up with Matilda, with Hermione, with uh, <laughs> with Susie Salmon. Uh-huh. This is the thing. So um, yeah, Harry Potter, obviously, also yeah. a big influence. I don't know anyone in my friend group that was not. You know, I I, I had a Harry Potter themed bedroom and, oh, uh, wow. and everything, and I was a witch every single year for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> that never gets old. No, and I still am uh, consistently. Yeah, I'm actually super proud. Of this Harry Potter poster, which I have no idea where it came from or how it got into the house. This is not great audio for the podcast, but maybe I'll put a picture of <laughs> on the podcast blog. But it's because it's a, it's not a poster of the movie; it's a book poster. Yeah. yeah. So it's a poster. I think it's from before the movies were made. So it's before I had we thought of Harry Potter as looking like Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. yeah I believe that would have come from like 2002. Yeah. 2001. Yeah, I think that's about right. That's because I had the same. I I I had that. Poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just unearthed it in the house. I obviously my kids must have had it yeah. at some point, and I have no idea where it came from. But when I was when I was decorating the podcast studio and trying to switch it over from being my son's music recording studio to being my <laughs> podcast, I was finding all the book related posters that we had in the house. Yeah. That one, uh, that one got a spot on the wall. It's important for little girls to grow up and have these like magical, mm-hmm. or very smart. Like oh, it is. It's so important. It's yeah. such a smart 
woman, right? Mm-hmm. The books. Like yeah. she just figures everything out and just, just she doesn't need and she doesn't need anyone. Have you read the thing open. somebody did online of the Harry Potter books if Hermione was the main character? Uh, no. Oh, somebody's done like not a whole book like Hermione just, like, is the main artic- I know, just but be, if it was written from Hermione's <laughs> point of view yeah. and it's like, you know, every problem is just solved much more quickly because <laughs> I mean, Hermione just cuts through all and, the bull crap. And, and I'm also re- rereading uh, Harry Potter now because I'm reading it to my, my kids right oh, yeah. So it's, uh, I really, this is my favorite part so far about parenting. It is to so great. all my favorite yeah. books. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is super delightful. Like, yeah. I remember all that rereading like, right down to like Charlotte's Web. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And Harriet the Spy, who is, yes. who oh, yes. I would consider to be pretty important so, to me as a child. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sleuths. Nancy Drew. Harriet the Spy. I also loved Harriet the Spy. Yeah, and I loved I loved that Harriet the Spy got a world. Like that, there were three books mm-hmm. that were because right, there was the book about mouse and the book about sport. Yes. Um, so not only did I get to enjoy Harriet the Spy, which obviously was my favorite, but I really loved being able to like see everybody else's world and see Harriet from their perspective oh, as yeah. well. I think I only read the first book. I don't think I read the yeah. others. I definitely read Harriet the Spy multiple times because that's quite an old book. Like that was around when I was a kid. Oh yeah, for ancient sure. Ancient times, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's another one. These, these, yeah, these great fictional role models for girls are so, so essential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, nobody should be without those. Absolutely you need to have not. a good um, sort of, you know, suit to slip into on a bad day when you're a kid. I think. You do, yeah. You know, and um, like having your, your, being immersed in a story is a is a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. And like once you read it, it's always there. It's yes, just in your yeah. in your back pocket. You can be Hermione that day if you need to be. <laughs> And there are days when we all need to be Hermione. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly just, more and more of those days, yeah, honestly. And it's about who you're going to cast a spell on and why. And <laughs> you know. Are there any books either of you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to? Anything that you're like, oh, I wanted to say this about that book. I didn't really come in here with any preconceived notions. It's funny when we're talking about old books, though, and childhood books, a book that I associate with Harriet this way, probably only because I read it at the same time, um, was one called The Pushcart War. Have you ever read The Pushcart no, War? I so, have not. Okay, it takes place in the first half of the 20th century. I couldn't even tell you when. I'm going to say 30s. Don't know. <laughs> um, in New York City. And it's about the pushcart vendors, like mm-hmm. the florists and stuff, um, basically waging what I would call a sort of a Marxist anarchist war against the Mack trucks. And they actually do it with pea shooters. Oh my um, goodness. But I think it colored my politics and I had sort of totally forgotten <laughs> the book. Yeah. You know, like, cause you just read something as a kid and then um, I saw it or I saw it online or I saw it in a store and I was like, Oh my God, I totally remember this book. And it's, it's just a book about the little guy rising up. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah, interesting it's so that with both that and baby Island, you have, like introduced because I mean I've been doing this podcast for a while and there's certain books that come up over and over and then someone will drop in a book and it'll be like nobody has ever mentioned or heard of that book and both the Pushcart War and Baby Island I have to say are in that category but it's great yeah and I, I have books like that too that it's like this is not a famous book people don't talk about it nobody seems to remember it but it had a huge impact on mm-hmm. me at a certain at a certain time in my life yeah, yeah. and and that just speaks for me to the great power and um and luxury that is the library system yes because you know so many of those books would have been books that um and you know i grew up with fantastic children's libraries both in my school and and my local children's library and yes. and having the librarians there so that they were always willing to offer you something there was always mm-hmm. there was always a recommendation and um and i you know and, and i suppose it i suppose we still have that but I do feel like a little bit of that magic is lost right now. Yes. And I, you know, so and we're lucky, I think, in Newfoundland that we had that scare with the libraries being defunded um, and managed to reverse that. Well, yeah. in the, it made people think and talk about how much mm-hmm. libraries mean to them, yeah. which is yeah. you know so important. Yeah, like. Um, was it Michael Carmey who who spoke a lot about the library in Buckins? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was yeah. the same thing for me. My first job was at the Briggs Library. Oh, um, okay. So I was a summer student there. That was the, the first real job that I had. Um, and, yeah, I guess, like, for, uh, for me, something that I think that people don't read enough is just the, the, the thrillers and the historical romances and the, like, let yourself get lost in mm. a paperback page turner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, this is what we need right now. Uh-huh. We all need to to just drop our phones, you know, forget that the that the world is on fire sometimes and mm-hmm. just read a, a really sultry 
novel. Yeah, and no. sometimes, like, I have to remind myself, it's okay to read books that are lighter and less. Like, I had just mm -hmm. finished reading um, The Great Believers by, I think it's Rebecca Mackay. I can't remember the author's last name. But again, I'll look it up. Uh, which is mostly all about the AIDS epidemic of the, you know, in, in the 80s. And it's it's just heart-rending and yeah. wrenching. And most of the characters you've come to love die because it is a book about the AIDS epidemic. And when I put it down, I was like, I cannot go from this to another book that's like so real and so intense. And I picked mm -hmm. up a Jennifer Weiner book because I knew it would be light and enjoyable and all the characters would come out of it a little bit wiser, <laughs> but, but you know, yeah. basically okay. And I, I think, yeah, you, yeah you, I find I have to kind of mix up my reading sometimes with things that are that are too real and seem too um, intensely linked into the world we live in that, that I need something more escapist. Yeah. And that's the great treat of those sort of like um, those paperback series books. I remember um, when I was younger, um, I had a boyfriend whose parents... I guess his dad had collected a lot of Dick Francis detective oh, yes, novels. Yeah. So Dick Francis, who was a jockey and therefore yes. writes these sort of like racetrack mysteries. My dad right? used to read those. Yeah, I love a Dick Francis book. It's it's like it's completely formulaic. Uh -huh. They're about 150 yeah. pages a piece, right? It's like reading Georges Simenon if you read in French. It's the same kind of thing. Magret, like you know, and you know what you're getting, and you, you know, know what you're getting, take you. right? Yeah. Right, and yeah. you know, and it's it's also why I love Poirot, and I mm -hmm. really I probably read all the Poirots and multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, but but you know, you know who you're getting as a detective. Yeah. You, so so we're we're coming back to a familiar old friend now. Put it in another new situation, right? And, and that's we'll, right. You know, yeah. Two days of, of sort of checking out on the couch. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting. You know, I sometimes when I've my brain is so busy before bed, and I've been having a lot of trouble sleeping recently. So I've I've been getting my boyfriend to read. Um, uh, just Jeeves and Wooster stories. Oh, yes. Oh, they're and great just, for that, too, Jeeves and it Wooster. It just lulls me right off to sleep. They're so non-threatening. Yeah. Going on. <laughs> Everything is so, so low stakes. Yeah. The stakes are so low in the Jeeves and Wooster yeah, books. Yeah, so, like, that's been how I fall asleep a lot of times yeah. right now. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I just think that it's, um, especially for women, you know, who, like, for myself, I'm, I'm working... In a in a pretty, I'm I'm in a man's world a lot of the mm -hmm. time, and I th have to think about very serious things. You know, just to put like I'm, and I mean that, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I work with a lot of a lot of really nice men and a lot of a lot of people um, that are really great. But it's just it's all very it's very male. So I've been I've been really craving things written by women uh -huh. about women and about yeah, just the experience of being being a feminine person uh -huh. in the world, right? Like, that's kind of what I want right now. Mm -hmm. So I've been going through a lot of a lot of those, whether it's Nancy Drew or, you know. <laughs> um, but that's, I think that's an antidote to the hyper-realist, um, the, just a full immersion into politics has been really difficult for me to, as an artist to, to wrap my head around without losing a, a big part of myself, which mm -hmm. is, is an artist. Right. Yeah. So to find my way back there, I'm I'm going full on, um, you know, sultry romance novels and uh, fun thrillers and trying to just just appreciate good sentences. Yes, <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much. This has been a really great conversation. Oh. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for Thank inviting you. us in. Thank you so much. And uh, when I post these, I always post uh, a blog post that lists all the books that we talked about mm, yes. and anything else like plays or whatever that happened to come into the conversation. Uh, so anybody who wants to check out the list of the many, many, many books we've discussed, <laughs> including Baby Island, <laughs> uh, if I could find a link to Baby it, I uh, go to my Baby. webpage, Trudy morgancall.com and click on the shelf esteem link and it'll take you to the blog where we discuss all these books thank you so much thank you thanks that wraps up my conversation with elizabeth demariasi and maggie burton i sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed talking about all those books i'll be back in a couple more weeks with some more interesting guests to talk about some more great books and maybe even some that are not so great and in the meantime i hope that you will read a good book and build your shelf esteem